Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 16 of Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 14 and 15. And Jehovah God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. And I'll stop reading there. Now, we are reading um, a historical narrative. This is the the actual record of the events of the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden. And we saw God first came to Adam and asked him what had happened. And Adam said, The woman thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree. And I did eat. And then God went to the woman. In verse 13, and said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And now God is turning to the serpent. The Lord is addressing each guilty party. And all are found guilty of breaking the law of God. Adam broke the law of God. Eve broke the law of God. And the serpent. The Lord asked Adam and Eve what they had done. He asked, going back in verse 11, Hast thou eaten of the tree? To Adam, and in verse 13, Jehovah God said to the woman, or asked her, What is this thou hast done? God asked the question of the man. He asked the question of the woman, because man was created in the image of God, They are accountable, Uh, they are obligated to obey the law of God, the word of God, the commandments of God. And, And so God is addressing them as responsible creatures. And, well, the serpent, who was Satan indwelling this creature that was a serpent, it was called a serpent, the serpent being an animal, is not uh, on the same level as Adam and Eve, uh, mankind created in the image of God. Uh, Even though Satan, who was indwelling the serpent, was a higher form of creation than the animals, he was an angelic being. But now a fallen angel, a fallen angelic being, and there's a reason that God does not ask the serpent a question. Jehovah God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this. Notice he does not say, why have you done this? As he did to Adam and as he did to Eve. What is this thou hast done? There's no question, but there's only a declaration. 
it's an absolute declaration. It is um, just presenting the facts that the serpent did it. And God is not interested in, in asking him any question uh, concerning his reasons for doing it. Only that you have done it, and because you have done this, then God pronounces the curse. It's the judgment. And I think the reason for the difference in questioning the man and questioning the woman, questioning mankind, is because God provided a salvation program for mankind. And we read about that throughout the Bible. And God often comes to sinner man and asks man questions. Why will you die? He asks in one place for those that do not turn from their sins. And and so God is speaking to a creature that he created in his own image and, and therefore dealing with them differently than the angel, than Satan, uh, a fallen angel, and, and of course the animals. The animals do not have a spirit made after God's image. And, and so God's penalty for animals, and, and of course they're not guilty of anything, but when God pronounced the curse upon the creation, is that they die. They, they will live their life and they will die. They'll cease to be. But God's penalty upon Satan is more involved than that. And we see that in this verse in Genesis 3.14. And one of the more grievous things about Satan's um, condemnation, of the condemnation of the fallen angels, because he wasn't alone. Satan and many other angels fell with him. One of the more grievous things is that there was no provision made for their salvation. God, in other words, did not die for the sins of any of the fallen angels. The Lord Jesus Christ, at the point of the world's foundation, when he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, did not take upon him any sins of any of the fallen angels or the demons or Satan. There was no laying of their sin upon him and Christ making payment. Jesus only died for the sins of men, of elect men and women, that he chose to save. Their sins were laid upon him. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons that later on in time, in history, in 33 AD, when Christ went to the cross, and when Jesus completed the tableau, when the demonstration was finished concerning his atoning work that he had performed from the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us the works were finished at the foundation of the world. That's when the penalty was was paid, when when Christ actually paid for sins. But, you know, Satan or any of the fallen angels could always argue, because it it was done before the world began, well, maybe there was some provision for them. 
But once Christ went to the cross and he completed the manifestation of the things he had done, then it became evident. It became certain that Jesus only died for men. Jesus only died for elect men and women. He did not die for any angels. And and that's one of the reasons why the cross was such a crushing blow to Satan. And he received a deadly wound at that point because this was confirmation. It, it was certain evidence of what Jesus had done in the actual atonement in paying for sins from the foundation of the world. In other words, it was manifested that he did not pay for the sins of any of the angels. And this is why uh, they were cast down to hell. It says in Second Peter 2, in verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So uh, here it says, God spared not the angels, and, and to spare would be to deliver or save. He did not save angels that sin, but cast them down to hell. Now, he did not cast them into a literal place because there is no literal place. But it is, hell identifies with the grave, and and, and yet, still, we know that... Um, Satan was very active from the cross all the way throughout the New Testament era. So it was not a place. It was a condition of hell. And they were delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Why chains of darkness? Because there was no salvation. There was no light of salvation for them. And uh, as a result, what Jesus did on the cross chained them in darkness. Just like today, after the tribulation. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun is darkened. So the world enters into a condition of hell and is really, in a sense, in chains, in prison, in darkness during the judgment period until they're ultimately destroyed on the very last day of this prolonged period of judgment. And you see, when there's no salvation, there is wrath and condemnation and judgment, and, and it is a very real judgment until the final point of destruction. Well, that's one reason why God doesn't question the serpent, about his sin, there's no provision made for his salvation. And and so God isn't trying to get his conscience to operate or to work or, or for there to be some sense of wrongdoing to provoke something like that within him as he would with man because there, there was still hope after sin for mankind concerning God's salvation program. There was no such hope ever for the serpent. 
And so God says, because thou hast done this, as he addresses the serpent, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And we've uh, talked about this before as both of these words, the word for for cattle and, and the word for beast has appeared in the earlier chapters of Genesis. And yes, in the first instance, it's referring to animals. It's referring to creatures, the creature animals that God made to populate the earth. And God did curse the creation. He, he cursed the earth. He cursed the heavens because the, the sun, moon, and stars are all part of this creation. All have, um, been cursed. All are seeing corruption and, uh, and the curse upon the earth includes the curse on the animals, the, the horses and the elephants and the dogs and the cats and the mice and all creatures of the earth, the cows and the bulls and, and every other animal, every flying thing, every, um, sea creature and, and every insect every microscopic creature, all creatures that have life in this world, no matter what kind of creature it is, became cursed when God, in visiting Adam and Eve for their sin, God necessarily had to curse the whole creation uh, because it was not feasible to have a sin-cursed man uh, ruling, having dominion over a perfect creation. Noah actually, in adding to the curse of man or contributing to the curse of man, would be a cursed creation. And and we see the effects of this curse unto today and and all throughout the history of the world the fact that animals die is part of the curse they they live short lives very short and and just think man's life is very short isn't it god has um has established man's age to be 70 or 80 and some live Less than that and some more, but that's the average age for man. And if he didn't set that timeline for the lifespan of man, we probably would have continued to live less and less because of the effects of the curse on the creation. But God did. He established it. He kept it there for his own purposes. Yet animals who would have lived forever because there was no death and and therefore the tiger and the lion and and the bear the these animals would have continued living on the perfect creation forever but now they live short lifespans and and um like like a, a dog might live 10 or 15 or 20 years and that that would be very old for a dog so the lifespan of animals was greatly cut short 
as part of the curse and while they live, they also get diseases. They also uh, feel ill effects of the curse on on the creation and other animals uh, may devour them and eat them uh, because of the effects of the curse prior to uh, man's sin and and God's uh, condemnation of of the world the animals live peacefully they they did not uh, kill one another fight one another but now we we see cats and dogs fighting and and cats uh pursuing the mice and and killing the mice and and all throughout the animal kingdom there is death and and dying and it it's a terrible thing since mankind sin there has been a curse on cattle curse on the beasts and a curse on the earth. And yet God says to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Now concerning the creature called the serpent, there was a curse, a particular curse placed upon it, because it was said to be more subtle than any beast, of the field it it had a reputation for wisdom and apparently it did not crawl upon its belly that creature serpent that satan entered into in order to deceive eve because here god goes on to to pronounce the curse upon the serpent that upon its belly it shall go and and shall eat dust all the days of its life and that that is the common description of a snake the the snake goes on its belly in the dust and and so apparently the serpent did not crawl on its belly it did not crawl on the dust as it would after god pronounced the curse and and so this curse had a particular effect upon this creature but we should not think that somehow snakes are more cursed than other animals or anything like that. No, they're, all the creation is cursed and, and the creature called a serpent or a snake, it has also experienced the curse. But the real emphasis behind this language is focused on Satan. It is geared towards Satan because cattle and beasts also typify men in the Bible. And we um, spent a little time discussing that in our earlier studies where, where God pronounces judgments upon man and beast. Or in the book of Jonah, when Jonah goes into Nineveh, uh, the king commands everyone, man and beast, to sit in sackcloth and ashes and, and and so even the beast were as it were repenting in sackcloth and ashes and that's because beast and cattle represent man so we can understand that God is saying to the serpent he is cursed above man and again this would relate to the fact that there is no 
provision. None. There is no uh, possible salvation for Satan or for the fallen angels as there has been provision made for man. For, yes, only the elect, but when God sent forth the gospel in the world, none of us knew who were elect, and so it was open to mankind. We could approach God, any man could, boldly coming unto the throne of grace in, in the day of salvation, beseeching the Lord and crying out for mercy that we might be one of those elect and and we could just keep pouring out our hearts before God and, and crying all the more for mercy uh, for as long as we we wanted, as long as we could. And we could have an expectation in the day of salvation of hope. And possibly, maybe God will hear, maybe God will have mercy. We know he would have mercy upon whom he would have mercy, but perhaps I am one that God will choose to have mercy upon. See, that was the hope reserved for man who was cursed. Man who, through his own sin, came under the wrath of God and under the curse of God, and yet the serpent also is cursed, but the serpent, Satan, and and all that fell with him uh, from the angels had no such hope. They never had that kind of hope, even though they they could have, um, again, uh, deceived themselves, perhaps, until the time of the cross. Yet God nowhere gives any kind of indication that he wrought salvation for any of the fallen angels. And therefore, they were cursed far above, far beyond all that mankind was cursed with, because they never had hope of salvation. And I, I've mentioned this before. You know how some people say, well, it's not fair that God only saves certain ones. It's not right of God. It's not just, they imply, that God saves uh, certain individuals, he elects to salvation, but he doesn't save the rest. And yet you never hear any of these same people try to make the argument that it's not fair that God didn't save uh, Satan, Lucifer, or any of the fallen angels. No one makes that type of charge against God. Uh, Oh God, you... You did not provide salvation for any of the fallen angels. Therefore, you are not just or you are not right in in not providing salvation for any of the angels. You never hear anybody say that. But rather, it's thought and correctly thought, well, that's good. I'm glad that that uh, there was no salvation provided for Satan or any of the angels. And what do do we think? What does man think about God's condemnation of all angels 
for their sin. We think they got what they deserved. They got justice. That it was a just and right thing for God to condemn them all and, and to offer them no hope, no possibility of salvation in any way. It was proper and a right judgment of God. And yet, God could have equally done the same thing with mankind. And, and He could have equally said, just as the serpent sinned, so did Adam and Eve. So did mankind sin against God. And, and God could have said to man that, that you also will all be destroyed. You all have done wrong. You all have offended me. I will destroy you all like I destroyed or, or, uh, provided no salvation for all the angels. There, there is no salvation for anyone. And that would have been right and just and a, a very fair thing for God to do. He would have satisfied his law's desire and demand for death. He could have killed all offenders. And who could argue? Because we're all equally guilty. Yet in mercy and love and out of grace and just uh, gentle kindness, God goes and he looks at the human race and he says they're all guilty. They're all dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. And none are righteous. No, not one. I don't find any that uh, arises above the rest. They're all equally in the mire and filthiness of sin. And yet, I'm going to just make selection according to my good pleasure. And I'm going to choose a people for myself. I'm going to make a bride for my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and and uh, this will be the bride of Christ, the woman that will come out of his side. And so he chooses Jacob and not Esau, and he makes selection all down through history, this one and that one and this one over here. And uh, again, none based on merit, none based on their works, because their works are evil, but all based upon the work and merit of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're saved by his faith and his righteousness. And, and who can argue and speak against God? Well, men do, but they don't have, uh, they, they don't have any merit behind their argument. They, they have nothing that they can say against God's salvation program. It is most just. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.